Hear now a word from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Kathy and David and Chancel Choir for the beautiful anthem appropriate to this day. We've been involved in a series on the Ten Commandments and today's number five. So we're, we're reaching the, the halfway point. One of my favorite oldie songs and I hear it all over the place still. It's been co-opted by a lot of television commercials and I don't know about that but Aretha Franklin's R-E-S-P-E-C-T find out what it means to me respect not too many years ago there was a bank in Atlanta and you may remember and its slogan was truth every here we go respect we know what it means do we know what the word means we're talking about that today it's an appealing slogan because truth is everybody likes to be respected. We don't like to be disrespected by anyone, family, friends, or folks we don't even know. And the Good News Bible translates the fifth commandment like this, respect your father and mother. And wouldn't it be wonderful if that were always the case? Sometimes, as many parents know, we are treated not so much as objects of respect, but maybe just as objects or objects of ridicule. Parents have been defined as persons who bear children, bore teenagers, and bored newlyweds. Not always true, but sometimes. And yet this fifth commandment makes clear the obligation in regard to parents. Honor your father and your mother. Have you ever asked yourself, to whom is this commandment addressed? And that sounds like a silly question, I understand, I, I get that. The answer appears so obvious. Anybody can see that the commandment is addressed to children. Okay, but what children? In ancient Israel, little children were simply expected to respect and obey their parents, and failure to do so could sometimes have dire consequences. If you were a teenager at that time, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 21 that might make you think twice before you talk back to your mom or your pop. Imagine a concerned mother and father holding their child before the village elders at the, at the gate where the elders would gather. They accuse their child of being stubborn, rebellious, and lazy. And at that point, the men of the village would rise up and stone the child. Well, to relieve any anxieties, there is no record that we have found yet that this particular form of capital punishment was carried out in regard to a child. But just having the law on the book might have been enough to frighten some children and some young folks into straightening up and flying right. Just a reminder that it was there, even if there was no intention of ever carrying out such a cruel and unusual punishment. In any event, there was great cultural pressure, great expectation from everyone that children in the home were to obey their parents. To write a law about it, one 
scholars say, seems about as necessary as writing a law that says you need to eat when you're hungry. It's just was part of the, the culture. Children and teens respecting their parents, at least outwardly, and I'm sure there were always exceptions. That was the pattern. That was the standard. And all this brings us back to the question that we asked just a moment ago, to whom was the fifth commandment addressed? Recall that each of the other commandments is addressed to adults. Why then should this fifth commandment be any different? Why should it be confined to reminding young children and adolescents of their urgent obligation that they have to respect their parents, their elders? Certainly we don't question the importance of children doing that. The Apostle Paul seems to have interpreted the commandment this way in letters that he wrote to the Colossians and the circular letter to the Ephesians. But the original purpose was fundamentally different. The fifth commandment was directed to adult children, specifically to adult children of aging parents. That kind of intergenerational responsibility did require, as one commentator has called it, some God-given legislation. There appears to be ample evidence that among the nations that were on the earth at the time when the children of Israel were in existence back in biblical times, way back then, when the aged were treated with disrespect and contempt. When a person grew old and could no longer pull his or her weight, they were abandoned often. The survival of society dictated that limited resources be invested in those who were younger and more productive and had a future and something to give, something to offer, not the older, quote, unproductive ones. But that kind of attitude is specifically what the fifth commandment rejects. You are not to neglect your family, said God, especially your aging parents or aging family or aging elders in your community. The value of a human being is not tied to that person's ability to produce in God's sight. Value comes from being, not just doing. Nothing is gained by humiliating, cursing, abandoning, or rejecting older folks. I think that's what we're being told here. To the contrary, God's law is very specific, that we honor and respect these folks so that our days in the land might be long. When the fabric of the family remains knit together, when the intergenerational aspects of family is emphasized and extended family is respected and when there is no neglect of elderly parents. The way a society treats its elderly helps us to understand how that society defines such basic concepts as justice and morality. Here the news stories recently, some of you have heard them too, about some of the homes, we used to call them all nursing homes and now they're different categories, different labels. But some of the homes that during the pandemic and even before and even now in this phase have mistreated, have ignored, have neglected residents or patients 
or clients or whatever terminology that home might use. And I hate to hear those stories. There's no excuse. And sometimes that expression comes to my mind when I hear about that kind of elder abuse. I don't use the expression a lot, but it comes to mind some special place in hell. I just can't imagine folks getting away with that. And then the scammers who take advantage of the vulnerable in our society. And certainly not all elderly folks are vulnerable and fragile, but many are. I heard a story years ago, and it was not long after the Vietnam War had come to a close. And there was a guy who found out where soldiers who had died, where their mothers lived, particularly. They seemed to single out mothers who were alone. And they would go to these bombs and say, we have found a box of your son's belongings left in Vietnam. And for a certain amount of money, we can get those boxes to you. And so many of these mothers would say, yes, my, my son's belongings, of course. And they would shell out the money and they would never hear from these folk again. That kind of abuse is inexcusable. But it still happens. There are still folks who tap into our emails or call our phones with lots of promises, hoping to take advantage of folk. Charles Allen, and I've mentioned him before, in his early days in ministry, he was pastor of a little country church. He was out visiting and he saw a woman picking cotton out in the field. So he stopped the car and got out and walked down there to where she was to speak to her. And she told him that her son had been offered a job in a nearby furniture factory and that the pay was pretty good. And he was thinking about taking it. And she had said to him, son, since your father died, I have been working in this field to support you, to care for you in school. You lack just one more year now, and I can keep on doing this until you finish. And Charles Allen had this to say about his encounter with this woman. He said her hands were calloused and rough. Her faith was, face was weather-beaten and her back was stooped. But as that boy looks at her, if he does not feel that she is the most beautiful woman in all the world, then he is utterly unworthy of her. And he went on to say, maybe our parents made some mistakes, but they gave us life. They nurtured us as little ones. They loved us, which is more, far more than we can say of anyone else on this earth. I remember, as some of you do, and some of you may have known the guy, I just knew him through his writings, met him a time or two, but didn't know him. Louis Grissard from Moreland, Georgia, died in March of 1994. Still misreading his columns in the Atlanta paper. I did, I don't think anybody on the earth agreed with everything that he said, but he could provoke you and some days make me laugh. Occasionally caused me to think about something once in a while, make me a little bit angry. But one of the shorter books that he wrote, he wrote a book about his dad. You remember that? My father was the pistol, was a pistol. I'm the son of a gun. But he also wrote one about his mother. Don't forget to call your mother. I wish I could call mine. That was the title of his book. 
And in that book and in other writings, he made frequent references to the sacrifices that his mother made that he might have a college education. He said the main reason Mama was so frugal with money, however, was that she had determined that no matter what, her child would get a college education. I was one of the original baby boomers, he said, the first crop in 1946. The catchphrase for baby boomer parents, you'll remember, was I want my children to have it better than I did. When the time comes for college, mom would say, I'll have the money. And Lord, the ends to which she went to get that money. And then he described many of the details about his mother's frugal lifestyle and her hard work and some of the financial crisis that his family went through. And he went on to say, still mama managed to save. She kept pennies and dimes in a jar. She kept shoeboxes full of small bills in the far reaches of the closet. She quit smoking, not for her health, but because she realized she could save about a quarter a day. All for me. All for my education. He said, I was a good student in high school. To have made poor grades and risked college reje rejection would have hurt Mama more than if I had joined a gang that stole hubcaps and wore greasy ducktail haircuts. The day my acceptance came from the University of Georgia, he said, my mama cried. Not many days go by, and this is me talking now, that I don't think about all of the hard work and sacrifice from my secretary mother and my firefighter father. All that they did to make sure that I got through college and then seminary. And I'll never come close to repaying the depth of their struggle to knowing the depth of their struggle and I'll miss the mark even more I have missed it when it comes to repaying them honor your father and your mother other translations read respect your father and your mother honor and respect they are pages apart in the dictionary but they in many ways mean the same thing the same expression the same depth of definition to love and to care for to respect. They're kissing cousins, honor and respect. And the debt that we owe our mothers and fathers, so many of us, is enormous. Our honor and respect is one way that maybe we can repay a small portion of that debt that we owe. But for some folks, honoring and respecting their parents is difficult and painful because their parents were not honorable and respectful people. And that happens. That happens. Once a mother carried her little boy to the zoo and looking around at all the different animals, he was asking about each animal and he came to some animals in a cage and he asked his mother, what kind of animals are those? And she said, they're wildcats. And he said, why are they wildcats? And you know the answer to that question, because their mamas and their papas were wildcats. Parents are not always honorable folks, and they give their children ample cause to resent them. Many a harsh attitude toward older parents stems from a child's early years, from anger, unresolved anger. And we all make mistakes as parents. Goodness, I don't have time to even start talking about mine. Our parents made mistakes. They may have been inattentive 
or careless, or for some folks, violent and abusive. And some of you may have been abused as children or ignored or neglected. And the very idea of honoring that mother or father is just foreign and difficult, hard to deal with. Unless, unless somehow by the grace of God we reach a point where we can do some heavy duty forgiving. And I know it's easy for me to talk about that and difficult for some of you. Elizabeth O'Connor said one time, you know, all of us need to forgive our parents. And, and that's hard for me because I think, forgive them for what? But there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children. And forgiveness has to be part of this equation. To honor and respect our parents doesn't mean to pretend that they are or were perfect when we know deep down that's not true. And it doesn't mean we have to deny any childhood hurts or wounds. Paul Eccles says that to honor your parents means to grow up. And a major part of growing up and getting on with your life is learning to forgive your parents. So, how do we honor and respect, show honor and respect toward our parents? Very simply by the things we say and the things we do, it is that simple. Someone might ask, what if my parents are deceased? Does that mean this commandment's no longer important in my life, no longer applies? And the answer is no, it doesn't mean that at all. The things we say and do, the things we left unsaid and undone, all those things can bring honor and dishonor to the sacred memories that we hold dear. Do any of us who have lost our parents to death ever catch ourselves thinking, what would mama say about this? What would daddy do? And I remember the first car that I ever bought after my father had died. First time I had not been able to call him and ask for his advice. Honor and respect your father and your mother. I've seen it happen up close. And I've noticed the loving and caring way that so many of you have cared for your parents in their later years when they were struggling to, to hang on to some measure of life and health. You've exerted great effort. You've shown great strength. And you've helped preserve their dignity. And God will bless you, I'm convinced, for your obedience to this fifth commandment. And we need to always remember that our children, who may one day be caring for us, are often watching the way that we care for our parents. My grandmother Slate died in February of 1995, and for the first time in my life, I was without a grandparent, and it was, it was different. Time marches on. But during my grandmother's lengthy illness, my brother, my brother, one brother, and sisters, and I couldn't help but notice the consistent care that my mother provided for her mother. And it wasn't always easy. My grandmother wasn't always the easiest woman in the world to, to be with. And I won't try to hoodwink you by telling you that my mother never got flustered or distraught or aggravated or tired, but she was loving in her care for her mother, even when that care was not acknowledged and not appreciated, and her devotion never wavered.
my mother demonstrated for the four of us the heart of this fifth commandment, honor and respect. And for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to always be asking ourselves, what would Jesus' position be on a particular matter? That's a legitimate question. How would Jesus approach this? What would Jesus have us do? So what does Jesus think about the fifth commandment? Honor, respect your father and your mother. And perhaps Jesus' view of this commandment is best observed from where he hung on a cross from his observation point. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there. So he said to his mother, woman, here's your son. Then he said to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time, the disciple took her to live in his home. So if our Lord, in a moment of excruciating pain and suffering and impending death, could give thought to his one remaining parent, could find ways to honor and respect, then maybe as we go on living, we too find ways to honor and respect our fathers and our mothers and other ancestors and the elders in our church and in our community. The blessings of a gracious God are promised to those who are successful in such endeavors. Amen.